0: Kate, how are you doing?
1: Great, great, Alex. How are you?
0: I'm not doing so bad. I mean, I'm in the uh, most uh, socialist uh, province of the socialist country right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I try not to cry. That's why I laugh um but you know like uh all in all you know like the 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 you know like the Ness is doing awesome the job is great but the um the 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 situation is just you know like awfully bad you know like even though I I don't feel that you know like I'm I'm the you know like I shouldn't be the candidate for um you know like wanting to explode right you know, like you, you can see people before that you know like becoming you know like, it, and, and it's we're not talking anxiety we're just talking about being almost like pissed off and and, and angry at this situation you know yeah. like, and you know like there's a point where you feel that you know like, when it's too much you know and um and i feel that we're past that too much you know um and you know like it, it, it's all about seeing like uh, this weekend it, it was so sad seeing like restaurant owners and and um, like small stores owner crying because they're losing everything you know like it's there's a point in there where you know like you're less than 10 percent or maybe maybe a bit more than that but you know that for whatever reason you know like it's not about you know like you know like the motivation why someone gets or not doesn't get vaccinated but you know like business are being are dying right now you know like and it's you know probably my empathy i guess you know like, but you know it's um it's heavy it's heavy and my 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 day-to-day job is actually you know, like I, I i i'm a sales representative so um meeting with people sitting down with people um you know it's part it pretty much is part of the job but hasn't been for the past two years and then you know i'm kind of missing that um yeah yeah anyways you know so i'm in quebec for people to listen you know like if you you haven't listened to i i pretty much talk about it every fucking episodes in the past year but so kate where are you located and um and and how has been the pandemic for you so far
1: i am in calgary alberta canada okay but originally i am from ukraine so, I actually grew, was raised and born in the one of the most socialist <laughs> communities in the world. Wow! Because I was born in the Soviet Union, so it's this and kind right, of place of hopelessness. You know?
0: Yeah. Right but, now, it's it. We're in wild times right now for Ukraine. Right? Yes.
1: Absolutely, and it's not getting easier. Even after Ukraine gained uh, independence in uh, 1991, it still didn't get easier for us. And um, yeah, the pressure is big. Uh, the hopelessness, I think, that is like rising among people. But the worst, the worst thing that is happening right now in the country, and I haven't been there for four years, so it's hard for me to tell really. But what I see is people are just uh, running away trying to to find anything, any channel that they could just run away. Europe, States, Canada, Australia, any other country, but not there. Because people just don't see the future. And... And, um, Yeah, and we always think that it's it's, it's getting to that moment where it will be past the worst. But, you know the you fall you fall and then you find out that there is still a place to fall <laughs> so yeah so that's that's how it has been for uh for my people where i come from uh, but um yeah here in canada as you might have heard right they they are tightening up you know the restrictions and trying to kind of keep it at bay but um yeah so far there is a lot going on
0: Yeah. Um few things you know like you, you, you my some of my best friends are from 80 and um you know like when when you talk about you know like kind of not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel those are conversations that i do have with these friends of mine you know they like actually consider siblings you know like that you know like the, the, they're such great friends and they moved to dominican uh dominican republic because of that and um my friend jama just told me like I, I don't see you know in my lifetime that i'm gonna see um it to strive again you know like uh, you know um and that's that's sad you know like from especially when it's your birthplace you know like you, that you know someone tells you that you know like you, you from his lifetime it, he's not optimistic to see it doing better um that's that's really sad um in terms of personally, uh, how has it been with for you, Kate? You know, like the the cause, you know, like I felt like the weight of the confinement has, you know, like taken a bit of a toll after a while. Um, two years in, you know, like I, I feel it, you know, like I, I find it like heavy. Um how has it been for you?
1: It has been for me in, in both from both sides. So when the pandemic started in 2020. That's when I actually hit my rock button, right? So everything seemed like okay. Well, seemed like it was okay. But when we were locked down, right, all in our houses with the families, you know, you kind of understand that you're actually disconnected. You're absolutely disconnected from yourself first and from your family members because you go to work, you know, and it's just, you see people for one, two hours. You see your kids for one, two hours a day. Yep. You see your partner for for a couple of hours a day and it feels okay. but when you start to leave with that person for 40 days day in day, right and you don't go anywhere, you don't go out because we were we were freaked out, right? Uh, and we didn't know what what will happen in the future. So this uncertainty just you know accelerated the whole stress. And that's when, um, that's when the alcohol came into, again, in our life, right? And I, I have been a drinker since 12. So for me, it's, it's a heavy topic. Um, so in these 40 days that we spent at home, it was a whole lot of a transformation and understanding that it's not going to work if we don't find a way out. If we don't find a way out to communicate with each other, when we don't find a way to live with our life with within this pandemic time, like we all, we both had works that were so uh, dependent on the pandemic. So I worked in the retail store, which closed completely. Yep. And, um, and my husband as well, he worked at the warehouse that also shut down. So we needed to understand that where are we going with this and where is this pandemic is going to lead us? Is it going to end or is it just going to just drag on for years and years into the future? And of course, the prognosis that we're not really good because the wave after wave, right? And then it just rolled into summer and then rolled into the fall. And that's when we started to seek, for, seek help. From from counseling, from like you know self development courses, whatever we could find on the website or on the, on the internet, we would take it just to find out what what was happening in our life, and it helped a lot. And that's when I started to understand and really dive deep into the subconscious mind and started to unlock those old that old trauma from the past. So. It wasn't a really like fast transformation. However, a couple of sessions that I had, I just kind of stopped drinking right away. And I decided that I will never go back, right? And that was a decision because I would relapse all the time. So pandemic was for me in both sides. So it was very hard and difficult. But at the same time, it was a way to find my way back
0: to save your life, uh, literally.
1: Absolutely, and my relationship and my family.
0: So let's um, let's take it back a little uh, in terms of you know like the, your, your time. Um, you know, like I, I usually make the um, kind of the analogy of you know like rewinding, uh, uh, you know, like a tape back to you know like your early days. Um, you talked about you know like being being born in in ukraine um what 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 are the first memories you got of you know like that has that you feel has impacted you in terms of you know like either uh you talked about alcohol use but you know like sometimes it's you know like either abuse you know like or or whatever it is you know like that has impacted you that kind of molded a bit of the the kate that you became eventually um do you have like some of these memories of early days
1: yes absolutely my memories go way back into the childhood my first memories is was i was like about two years old and that's very conscious memory i would say and i'm in a daycare and we are all wearing the same uniform and i am not allowed to speak ukrainian so technically we are not allowed to it's, it's, it's 1989. So it's still the Soviet union and we are not allowed to, to speak Ukrainian. And my mom, when she goes to daycare with me, she says, please, please don't speak Ukrainian. you because we are going to get in trouble. I'm going to lose my job. And your dad is going to lose your job. And that was like, I'm two years old, Like I can't control what I say, you know? And if, At home, everyone is speaking Ukrainian. Of course, I want to speak Ukrainian as well. So that was a big shock. I understood that I cannot express myself. I have to shut down and either be very quiet, which I was until three years old. I actually didn't speak really. So that was my first encounter with limitations, restrictions, you know?
0: Censorship.
1: Absolutely. 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 And um, then if I go back, if I go a little bit further and I I am four years old and we are at home, three or four, and my parents are having a Christmas dinner or or a New Year dinner and they are drinking, of course, because that was the only distress (gasps) substance that they could use. And I can hear that they are whispering and not talking about politics very loud because neighbors can hear. And if neighbors can hear, it can go to the government or whatever. So that was like, I understand, I remember that they were speaking very quietly if they wanted to discuss politics. That was a huge trauma. And I would say it's a multi-generational trauma because my parents did not know how to express themselves. They just followed the rules. So those my first memories. You have to shut up, shut down, and not don't speak, don't express your feelings. If you do something wrong, you can get in trouble. If you speak your language, you can get in trouble. If you don't know Russian very well, you can get in trouble. So however, we I was lucky that I was only like four years old when the Soviet Union actually ceased to do. To be, and we were kind of more free. However, the huge economic collapse happened in the country yep. because of that. And then I remember these, um, you know, the lack of food, right? And the lack of money. And I think my parents lost like a huge amount of savings because that was how, how the system was at that time. So these are my first memories. And every stress that my parents had, they would come home. And every single birthday party or, or any celebration was celebrated with alcohol. So, and of course, they would tell us that it's not good. So, kids, please don't drink. But my mind got confused. How how wouldn't you drink if your parents do it almost every day? Though they were not alcoholics at all, but they would definitely re- relieve release stress.
0: And and would that be kind of the almost like the only moment where you would find them smiling or laughing is when they drank?
1: Absolutely. I would I would feel and see that they are free. They are free and they feel like they are careless and they're fearless and and that feeling I wanted to feel it by myself because if as you said if not drinking and if not partying let's just say it was not a lot of joy. In life, it was work, 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 survival, work, work, survival, and that's that happened to a majority of families back then.
0: In terms of you know, almost like a, it's almost like a genetics uh, question. Um, I I feel that you know, like a country or a political party or or like like even a like the, the, the the head of state. Cannot find genetics, right? You know, like if if you're rebellious in your in your soul, you know, like it, it, you know, like it's tough for a country to break that. Um, was there, you know, like you said, you know, like that they feel they felt fearless or or they felt like they were. It, does any or both of your parents had that in them? You know, like kind of a, a rebellious um, genetics, uh, you know, in them.
1: I I would say no. They were very compliant. And those little moments when they would, you know, maybe drink a little bit, you know, or maybe they would be some we would be somewhere in the nature when no one would hear us, right? We would go for a hike or something. You could you could feel that they probably wanted to express themselves. They just didn't know how. So in genetics, let's just say, Ukrainian nature is very loving and kind and hardworking. However, If generation by generation were suppressed, of course, that's going to happen with every other, every next generation that was born. So I was born and a little bit by little bit moving it out of the country. I tried to close that gene, you know, of like suppression and, and, and trauma, but, and then my kids would probably still have it. And then maybe their kids will be more free if... If we work towards it, but no, I think my parents were definitely, um, very suppressed, very compliant, very, uh, fearful. And that's what's okay. a- an a- outer generation.
0: And because they were taught so because they, they were, you know, like by parents, grandparents and, and so on.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So we don't even know how the real Ukrainian spirit is because it was suppressed for so many years
0: so losing losing your shit is not something that an Ukrainian person does very often
1: yes technically there was so there was no no such a notion as counseling or therapy so there was no and
0: even in, and even going crazy i mean you know like like just like um cuz they were either be imprisoned or or arrested or even killed i guess
1: yes or it's there they would go into the psychic clinic those were like institutions right that that people will get into and they were considered to be very heavily like sick you know and and will would be kept there for for years in in abuse and neglect if you showed any sign of uh, stress or rebellion rebellion yes yes However, and because they knew that there will be no help, everyone kind of kept it in. There will be. There were a lot of abuse that was happening, but mostly within the family. So it was within the family or within the community. So that would happen, of course, because people would drink and they would lose their shit, of course, because they wouldn't hold it. But um, yeah, but in reality, we couldn't. You couldn't speak up you couldn't ask for help
0: was um uh, you know like how much of that does affect like your your the creative side of your personality for example you know like that that must have been tough you know like, like for any individuals but especially for creative people um how does it affect that because you know like you you, you talked about your childhood but you know like you 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 start embarking on that teenager journey and I'm guessing that you know like you, your brain is just a, like a, a volcano of, of ideas and you know like just and I, was there any there's there's many questions in there I know but you know was there like um, uh, an echo of what was going on on the other side of the ocean as well?
1: Uh, yeah so technically the the environment that we were growing back home it's like a das of creativity like even if you have it you don't believe in it you have it but you don't believe in it and even if you have an idea you think three times before you actually put that idea into action and i remember and that's in many families back home and i i'm wondering if it's happening that much in other countries but what i've noticed here is more of course freedom to express but i remember that most of the parents didn't want to work at the jobs that they were working. My mom wanted to be a designer, but designer was like non-existent back at, back then. So she just became an you know an accountant. And of course, she hated that job for the whole like she not she didn't hate it. I think she kind of came to terms with it, but it wasn't like she was enjoying it and living her passion. The same was me. Yeah. I I had lots of ideas when I started to like, you know, 11, 12. But at the same time, I was um, I, I wasn't allowed to really express. We didn't have internet, right? We didn't have yeah. music just starting to come in, you know, like I would get I would get the small recordings of some American and British group like music groups, right? And that was so rare. Only when we like grew up into like sixteen, that's when it became more free, and we become we became we went to the college and and started to express ourselves. But absolutely, that environment kills creativity,
0: and self and 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 very ve- as I understand, very little echo of what was going on elsewhere. Yes. So no, you know, like so 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 as you said, you know, like before hitting like 15 or 16, you didn't know that people roam freely somewhere else.
1: Oh, absolutely. So mostly before 10, we were very closed in our country. So rarely did people travel because they didn't just have an opportunity. Um, And then after I became, I think I I first went abroad when I was 20, 20, That was my first time when I left Ukraine to see something else, and it was a cultural shock. And I went, no. yeah, and I went to Turkey, and Turkey wasn't that developed country, but I, I had a cultural shock. I didn't, couldn't understand, like, how was I living for twenty years in this country? So yeah, we didn't know, and if we knew, it was like a magic. We would watch, uh, we would watch like a TV. We started to have some channels, you know coming in, like MTV, you know, or like BBC News. We started to see other cultures and how they live, but we kind of couldn't believe in it because like, we were like, well, this is something that it's just made up. It's just all made up. This is all just for the, for the picture. So when you look at the music videos and, and, and anything that happened, you, you look at that and you look like, Oh my God, I'm not, I don't even think I would ever be able to experience any of that. But when you grow up, of course, when you go to college, it became more liberal. People started to travel more. Uh, We started to be more open with opening some visas to uh, other countries. And that's when people would come back, pack their suitcases and run.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, When does the alcohol slides into that, you know, while you're growing?
1: Yeah, alcohol came into my life when I was 12. And it mostly come into people's life. Back home, when I was, when I was growing up, most of us started to drink around 12, 14.
0: How was it introduced to you?
1: Um, at the summer camp. So there is no license, right? There was no license. There was no age restriction. Like you could go into the store, you're 12, and you could buy a bottle of, of alcohol. So there was there wasn't any restriction. Restrictions came much later, when we were not allowed to buy when, until like the age of 18. But before that, we could buy anything: cigarettes, yes, drugs, yes. It was everywhere, very accessible, very cheap. That's the thing. We didn't have a lot of money, but we definitely had money for for alcohol. We could afford it, even with with our like pocket money. And that's when it started. And that's when the trauma that I held in myself and I tried a little bit of the alcohol. And that's when I understood, Oh, that's actually numbs the pain. That helps a lot. And then your mind is very smart. It records this feeling and it replays it over and over again, as long as you feel sad. So it's like a looping saw. You wake up, you feel like, oh, yeah, oh, my God, this shit is again here, you know? If I drink a little bit, it's going to get easier because you remember that happened yesterday and then you drink again and you numb the pain, right? But of course, you wake up with the more pain that you were in, but it doesn't matter. Your mind doesn't understand at that point that it actually doesn't benefit your body. At that point, the mind just survives.
0: And I understand that it quickly becomes almost like a daily habit because of that.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because because this is what helps and there was no other options available. There was no one to tell you, you know what? Let's talk. Let's, you know, let's make your trauma not isolated, but actually open, open up, talk about it. No one would do that. So everyone would just go to to any substance that they could use in order to numb the pain. So we think that when when we see a person who is addicted to anything, we feel like, oh my God, they're doing so bad to their health. But in reality, their mind doesn't understand. Their mind is saving them because if they don't drink, they're going to be in so much pain that their mind can do something. So this is the survival mode. Your mind think, oh, if you don't drink, you're in so much emotional pain that who knows, what if you decide to end your life? But if you drink, you don't do that. So go and drink. So that takes a lot of courage for a per- person to really realize that and to start, you know, uncovering the past
0: what's your uh, at that time you know like growing up from 12 13 14 what's your um kind of the it's it's kind of a twofold question but you know like what is the education possibility and what is your education aspiration at the time
1: um you mean education right
0: yeah academia you know like and and then you know like because of what you just explained there are kind of two questions in there. Like you talked about your mom that wanted to be a designer and became an accountant. That means that, you know, like in terms of possibility, it was quite limited as I understand, but you know, like her passion or intention was probably design. Um, in your case, what was your intention and what was the possibility?
1: Yeah. So at, at exactly 12 years old, um, my brother He was uh, taking some English classes from, 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 from the teacher. And he decided that he doesn't want to do that anymore. And we didn't have money to put both, like my parents didn't have money to put us both into English class. So they had to choose. Um, But when he said, no, I kind of jumped in and said, I want to do that because something told me. And then I got my first recording of the Spice Girls. And I looked and I listened and I was like, they have something that I don't have. (laughs) But if I know English, I might also have that. (laughs) So that's when I jumped in into learning English. And that was the only kind of hobby that I had. The only hobby, though it was very limited. The lessons were very limited, right? However, I kind of soaked it all in. And I knew that if I know English, I might be able to run. Because I don't know if someone told me that, or maybe I've heard it at some point on some unconscious level, but if you know the language, you might be able to survive out there, outside of Ukraine, which was actually true. (laughs) So that's what my aspiration was. In terms of education, I started to really pursue the language through smoking, through alcohol, (laughs) but I still kind of, you know, tried to really learn as much as i could
0: so you you go through your teens um what what is the academia objective by then you know like what do you want to become
1: yeah i wanted to become an english teacher english language language teacher wow yeah i wanted wow. to be a teacher for kids right and it was the only option that at least I somehow liked because it was really hard to tell what I actually liked. When you are not allowed to really express yourself, you don't really know how to connect to your passion, to your aspiration, like, you know, to uh, your inspirations, your something that really kind of draws to you. Like you, you cannot. So the only thing that I could grasp onto it was the English language. And that was my, objective to go to the university and to get the masters or bachelors of education and to start teaching and maybe by that time i had this little idea that maybe by that time maybe something will happen and i'll be able to escape somehow i didn't know
0: so the end goal is to get the f out of there
1: Yes, I had that, I had that dream and had that vision in my head that, and I wouldn't tell that to anyone because if I did, it could get like, I could get criticized and I could get like, oh, no one can go there. You, you are who you would never be anyone there. So I didn't want to tell anyone, but I had this vision that I I see myself somewhere else, not in Ukraine. However, I only got there 10 years later, when I was 29.
0: So, between 19 and 29, what happens?
1: A couple of jobs happened. Um, I I graduated from the university, got into school for the practice, understood that it's actually not what I like. And I was very disappointed because... I, I had these dreams, expectations as a young person, and of course, school is not like that. School is lots of paperwork, not a lot of dealing yep. with kids, you know, just making them keep quiet, and, and that's it. There is not a lot of creativity that you can develop. Kids are so creative, and at that point, it was two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight. It became more like you could, like the internet came in right in in full force in the country, right? There were so many resources that you could get. You could make that education for kids so much more interesting. However, the system still worked and the system was old. So there was not a lot of freedom in terms of teaching. And so I went, but I still went back into education. I still went back to work in the university, more like an administrative assistant, you know, and I loved working with people. So it was okay but as i said it was okay it was yeah. something that you really love to do and so in in fi- in 3 5 years after getting a child i understood that if i don't change anything that's going to hap- that's going to just continue and so i decided to open my own business and that's when me and my dad we opened the restaurant we decided to go into completely different you know, filled completely different industry and just opened from scratch, build it from scratch, you know, on the piece of land that we had just not far away from our house. We decided to build up the restaurant and open it and it, it, it went very well. However, the alcohol and the cigarettes became even more accessible to me. Yep. When you have a restaurant, you can, you can have it. Whenever you want.
0: You can smoke all you want. You can drink all you want.
1: Absolutely. And that's what I started to do. Every single stress at work and restaurant business is a lot of work. And I was in the kitchen and I was cleaning and I was doing everything with my team, of course. But um, yeah, but every day, almost every day, you need to distress, You need to numb the pain because the pain is still there. If you don't get the root the cause you're just gonna like you know numb the symptoms
0: you mentioned your first kid so that means that um by that time you already had a boyfriend and that's starting a family life
1: absolutely i um i married very young i married when i was 20 almost 21 and it's a cultural right so if I, i i met my husband at 18 and we didn't plan to marry really but the pressure from the parents, from the culture. And we, of course, didn't have our own boundaries. We didn't have our own point of view. We didn't have a voice to voice what we want. So we just got married. Young, immature with our own emotional baggage. We got married and we got a child in one year. So I was 22 when I got my daughter. My daughter, poor girl, she witnessed everything. She witnessed all of the things, my drinking, the fights that we had, because, of course, we were young, right? And we, we didn't understand what we want from each other, was my husband. And he was really smart and told me that, Kate, if I don't get you out of the restaurant, you're going to drink yourself into, into a big hole. And I don't know what to do, and I don't know how to help you. The only thing I can do is get you out of there. And that's when he suggested, you know, let's let's try to immigrate. And that was the the exact same year when when this the military conflict started back home.
0: So so your husband opens up that window of opportunity for you two or you three to leave the country.
1: Absolutely. Because he didn't know how to help me. He would talk to me, he would try to. Kate, look at you, you know, you. Um, I cannot see you like that. It's ruining your life first. It's ruining the life of the kid who is looking at all of that. And it's ruining our relationship. So I really appreciate that she actually pointed out to my life first. And that's when I understood that something needs to change. But of course, I didn't know how to take actions. So I didn't know how to really be proactive. I was completely a reactive
0: person. How easy is it at that time to leave the country?
1: With the English language, um, it was, it wasn't easy, but it was possible. The only thing that, uh, the person needs to do is like a consistency to have a plan. Right? So, and that's what we started to do. And it t- took us quite a few years to develop the plan. To, to, okay, what program to take. We started to really look, apply here and there, you know, looking at what, what our options were at that time. But in case a person knows a language and they can pass this international exam, it is possible. At that point, it became more possible than it was when I was a kid.
0: And when do you decide and... In- how do you decide where you're gonna be going? How does that happen?
1: Um, we had this map of the world and it's funny, right? You have this map of the world on your on your wall, this for, for education for kids, and then you look and we, we sat with my husband and we looked and it was like, okay, what, what are our options? Probably an English English speaking country, right? We looked at New Zealand and, and Australia. And they had like a really complicated process. So we kind of put it aside. We looked at Great Britain and it has even more restriction in terms of getting a visa or any type of permanent residence. We looked at the States and they had the the lottery. They had the lottery every year and you win it or you not. So you can actually try forever. And we looked at Canada and we looked at Canada and Canada had the immigration process the whole qualifying immigration process the only thing that i knew about canada is that it is very cold <laughs> because that's all our knowledge was right i yep. knew that there are a lot of olympic games that were there and that's it and when we looked at the map and i was like okay let's 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 try canada because at least it gave us an option to gather documents and to apply, so that's that's how Canada came into our view.
0: And you said that you moved at twenty nine. Um, how was that? How was you know like packing your things? How did your parents react?
1: Oh, that's that's the whole lot of a uh, that that's like a a drama episode, you know. <laughs> Episode number, like the season, the season, last season, last episode, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So that's, that's how it was because um, my parents are very, very um, limited in their mindset in terms of how it's, how things are supposed to be. So they're more like, you know, reactive as well. Well, like, let's not go out of the comfort zone. So of course, when they found out and we kept the secret of all the immigration process from everyone. And uh, when we told them that we are actually leaving in five months, when we got our documents, um, the, it was a huge heartbreak for them. A huge heartbreak. They, they would ask us, plead, uh, do anything they can, you know, to try and kind of change our mind. Uh, but of course, nothing would work because we set our mind already and we already saw ourselves not, not in Ukraine. And that's how the packing very fast, very fast, three suitcases, 20 kg for each person, and we were out. Left everything, business. My my husband left his business. I left my business. Everything. Just just for the for that chance.
0: And you didn't leave your problems though. The problems as as <laughs> problem has followed you.
1: Yes, problems I packed with my suitcase as well. Like the numbing of the pain, uh the, the the fear of criticism, fear of failure, fear of um acceptance, low low self-confidence, um, low belief in myself, um scarcity. Like all of that I packed and brought it to to Canada
0: so you arrive in canada you you know um how quickly does these problems unpack themselves and creeps back into your life
1: yeah and this is a really interesting part right because when you are very very stressed it is really hard to think about anything else but survival and that's what happened back home when we got to canada we found a job. It, it was it was a you know low paying job, but it was job. It kept us going. Yep. It gave us everything we wanted in terms of food. Right. Um, we started to grow, of course, in our positions because Canada gives you that opportunity. If you go and look for the job, you work hard. You're gonna get somewhere, and we didn't have high expectations. And everyone would tell us that Canada is in a recession, and it was 2000 and um, Uh, 16 and it was another oil and gas recession, and we came to Alberta, and everyone would tell us, you know, why did you come here? There is no jobs, but we were not in oil and gas. We were not in IT. We were just the regular workers, right? So we found the regular retail jobs, you know, and started to kind of work our way together. And but we understood that we can at least satisfy our basic needs the need for house, for worm, right? The need for food and the need for connection in terms of like, we found friends here, right? So it was these basic needs were met. So when you meet those basic needs, you can jump into another level. And that's when we started to think about our life and what do we plan for the future. But it took us quite a, it, it took us a good four years until we finally understood that, oh, there is something actually more to our life than just an American dream, you know, than just a house and a car parked and dog, you know, and it is something much more. And if we don't uncover the past, we won't be able to see that. And, and that happened mm-hmm. right when the pandemic happened.
0: So the... So the problems resurfaces coincidentally as the pandemic hits the region.
1: Absolutely. Because we were uh, isolated.
0: Bored. Bored.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. So you, you bring it all, you know, isolation. So there is no friends. So there is no one to compare yourself to. You're just in your house. You actually have to deal with all of it. There is no, So you have to start to learn how to communicate with your husband again, because it was all on, on, on terms of like, oh, friends, parties, you know, um, work. So it was all like so fast. And then now yeah. you slow down during the pandemic, all of the life slowed down and you need to really, and that's how the problems resurface. So the low self-confidence, the uncertainty, the loss of control the lack of information, all of that just was brought to light.
0: What brings an end to this? You know, like what, what, you know, like what has brought an end for you to stop and decide, and and I'm guessing your husband as well, or, or your husband kept going
1: yeah, so my first uh, my first encounter was, was uh, hypnotherapy and hypnosis, right? Uh, that's when I understood that what I think on my conscious level is just like a little, this 5% of my life. And when I started to tap into my subconscious level, that's where I started to uncover all the past, all the beliefs that I formed all of the and that's where i start actually tried the hypnotherapy for myself just because i knew that addiction is usually and i've heard that it's good you know and it helps much more than 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 the talk therapy right and when i tried it and it was one session and i just stopped cold turkey
0: wow yeah Be- and you knew that this what this is what you needed
1: Yes, I needed to find out what emotion I connected to alcohol or to cigarettes. I found out that emotion when, when she was asking me, what was happening in your life at the age of 12 that you decided to take and drink it? And I went back and I was like, oh, that I'm not good enough. That if I drink, I'll be good enough to fit in. I'll have someone to connect to because I couldn't connect at home. Because my brother was bullying me so much that my confidence was just so low, you know, I didn't believe in myself. But when I drank, it was so cool. It felt so real. I was so confident. So I connected that emotion. And then she asked me, so every time you drink now, what emotion do you have? The same disconnection, the same desire to fit in into the group of friends, the same only option that I think my subconscious mind still thinks that is the only option to release stress. So every time after the session, every time I looked at the alcohol, I knew exactly why I decided to take that step. And I just didn't want it anymore.
0: Did the husband follow through as well?
1: Yes, yes. He kind of saw the shift in me first. He saw the shift and he's like, I have been telling you this. For so many years, that you, that we need to stop, you know, drinking. He also like kind of drank, right? But he was like, I, I always knew there is something that was, you know, holding us back from, from starting like a more healthy life, you know, but I just didn't know what was that. But you kind of changed so fast and so dread, like such a huge shift in you. Because even when I stopped smoking, the craving was there all the time. Yes, I did stop because I was having another child and I was breastfeeding. So I, I I was like a very good girl. I wouldn't smoke and drink when I breastfeed. But the first day after I stopped doing that, I would drink and smoke. Yep. So the craving was there all the time.
0: You know, like before we started recording, you, you told me that, you know, like you were, you were pretty much a mix of the two, you know, like you in terms of, you know, like being helping others now that you, you know, you, you found and, and, and overcame your, your most, um, your toughest challenges in your life. Can you tell me about, you know, like what you decided to do with that, you know, kind of that gift that was given to you in your life?
1: Yeah, when I started to really understand that, because you don't understand how bad it is when you, uh, until you get better, and then yep. you, you look back and you're like, oh wow, that's how I was living for for years and years, and then I was still still working at my job at my retail job, and I was having a couple of people that worked with me as a team, and I had to coach them as part of the position, so I looked at them and and I tried to coach them, and I understood that. They also have their own limiting beliefs. They have our, their own trauma that is actually holding them back from growing, holding them back from changing. And I was like, well, if it helped me, it probably will. If I do that, I will. it will help others as well. And that's when I took the school, right? I took the course and started to, to learn hypnotherapy for myself and for my future clients.
0: And how has it been going so far?
1: And it's it's amazing. It it is a gift, as you said. It is a gift. And usually people go to hypnotherapy when everything else
0: doesn't work. Has failed. Yeah.
1: Right? Because some people are really self-motivated and they go for a couple of counseling sessions and they're great. But not everyone. And some people struggle for years. So when everything fails for them. They go to alternative methods for these complementary.
0: And at the same time, you know, like for, for for many people, hypnotherapy sounds like esoteric. You know, like it sounds like like mystics and you know magic, um, while you know, like it's been used for hundreds and hundreds of years. You know, like so. Um, so, have you decided to? So, so you you decided to open a practice, like like people can actually find you.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I graduated in um, in the end of October from the program last year and I opened the practice right away. Got the insurance in Canada, you know, and started to work right away. Outreaching to my friends first, you know, getting first from my circle of friends and my network. And then people just started to refer to other people and that's how you grow your clientele, right? Yeah, and then now it's it, like a steady flow of clients. But the more important part is how how much transformation you do.
0: Does um, can this be done remotely?
1: Yes, hypnosis works amazingly well over over Zoom, over Skype, as well as in person.
0: Wow. And so where can people find you if people want to know more about Kate and, and, and you know reach, reach out to you? Where can they find you?
1: They can find me on social media platforms. So I'm very active on Instagram, Kate Semenuk is there. And on uh, Facebook as well, Kate Semenuk, hypnotherapy, and I'm there. And I also have a website, katesemenuk.com, where they can connect with me in many ways
0: and and for those that listen um, you can look at the the description notes of the episode you can find all of the links to reach out to Kate um and you know super easy um Kate thanks thanks a lot for your time it was a uh, quite a journey you know like a um i mean <laughs> there 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 really is something about um and, and I I say that from the bottom of my heart you know like the, the, you have to know someone that is that has been unrooted from their roots. you have to intimately and I mean that by friendship or relation, you have to know them um, in their intimate life to understand what you've been saying about you know like kind of being unrooted from you know where, where, you know like your native land. Um, I say that because, you know, like, like I said, you know, like some of my closest friends are people that, you know, are born in 80 and, and, and it's actually their motherland. And, and, you know, like you feel, um, you understand the pain and you do understand as well that it's not that easy. It's not as easy as to just say, well, move, you know, like just, just move out of there. And, you know, um, and it it is you know something that I will remember from our conversation is that you know like there's there there really is something in there that um it's a phenomenal thing that you know like our country has welcomed you no doubt you know but at the same time um I try my best to understand the pain you know that you've gone through you know like despite you know the country you've left you know like the country can be as shitty as it can be but you know like it it still is your birthplace, you know, like and, and that's that's the that's the almost like the sad part of it all. You know, like so so um and I thank you for sharing that with my audience. Really
1: very welcome. And I hope that every one of your listeners will just accept the way they are going and everything that happens in our life actually brings us to the way we are now. You know that there is a lot of shitty things that happen in our life. But it's somehow when you turn back, you know that exactly those moments brought you to the way you are now. And, you know, if the listeners are actually looking for some healing journey, right? They need to look back and think, yes, that was so bad in the past, but it brought me to where I am now. So it's probably brought me even further.
0: And I'll take that one step further. Like, take fucking action. You know, like whatever you do, take action whatever you try you know like i you know like a lot of people are seeking um to be better but you know like they they don't do shit about it you know like to, you know and so whatever you try you know like you mentioned that you know like hypnotherapy is kind of the last resort well at least try something you know like so so if if you end up trying hypnotherapy well so be it but at least you know like try and 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 acknowledge that you know like there's something well, so many things you can do that is different from your your habits. You know, like you, you, you mentioned drinking, smoking, and, you know, all of that are, you know, like the, the, they're mostly old habits for people that keep doing the same thing over and over. And um, that doesn't mean that, you know, like you need to necessarily quit cold turkey the next day. It's just that take action to something, you know, like, and, and and a lot of the times, you know, like these actions leads to realizing that you, you need to change some of the habits you have. And um but it starts with that one first step, which is like, okay, let me try to look, you know, like if there are any other options than taking that fucking drink again or taking that, you know, like rolling myself a blunt again and you know, or, or taking a fix or or hitting that line of coke and whatever. Um but it is by, you know, like at least taking one step forward into trying something different, you know. And, uh, yeah, you know, like and, and I think that's, you know, probably one of the first action you took is, you know, tr- at least trying something different. Obviously, in your life, you did so. You know, like you, you, you for God's sake, you changed country, you know. So, <laughs> you tried something big different.
1: Your, your audience needs to understand that I... I quit smoking 40 times until I found a way how to quit it, right? I quit drinking dozens of times before I found a way. So it's it's a success. It's failure plus failure and plus failure and plus couple more failure until it becomes success.
0: Yeah, it is.
1: But it brings us to, to look for those options. Yeah
0: exactly so thank you for your time cape it was no appreciated i i encourage every follower to at least go take a look at what you do see you know like uh, kind of gives you an idea and a taste of what ethnotherapy is about and um if they, if they feel you know like if they have the feeling to do so that reach it they reach out to you and um it was a pleasure having you on and you know I wish you the best of luck and the best of success in your and your new ventures.
1: Thank you. You too, Alex. Thank you so much.
0: It was a pleasure. Take care. Bye bye. Bye
1: bye.